Hello and welcome back to the Garbage Film Podcast. This is the show that seeks to prove that arty and trashy movies have a lot in common. You don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take this week's movie and pair it with something either artier or trashier. Hope that you discover an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, we entertain you. And we are, of course, the two of us. I'm Nick, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is the manic merry-go-round to my psycho in a sewer. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. I'm manic. <laughs> I didn't want to assign us the the foppish protagonist and the real psychopath. Dead-eyed so. psycho, yeah. Just went with some set pieces today. I appreciate that. I, I'm covered in a layer of paint, and horses are on me. You like horses. Horses are fine. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you're not taken with it. I'll try better next week. No. <laughs> I like it. I like the merry-go-round. So I'll take it. And in case you can't tell, if you just went into this without reading the title of this episode, this week we are here expressly to talk about Bruno because uh, <laughs> this is counter-programming, right? That's what you call it? when. <laughs> I don't think that's right, no. <laughs> I'm choosing to believe that's right, because uh, this week we are doing Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train from 1951. Want to hear one of my ideas for a perfect murder? It's so simple, too. Two fellows meet accidentally, like you and me. No connection between them at all, never saw each other before. Each one has somebody that he'd like to get rid of. So, they swap murders. Swap murders? <laughs> Each fellow does the other fellow's murder. Then there's nothing to connect them. Each one has murdered a total stranger. Like, you do my murder, I do yours. We're coming into my station. For example, your wife, my father, crisscross. Okay, fine. We'll talk about Bruno. Choo-choo. Bruno's a train? No. <laughs> Anybody who's not seen this movie is just like, what the fuck is this movie? Okay, I'm turning this off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but seriously, Strangers on a Train. Strangers on a Train. It's a great movie. It is a great movie from 1951, from the good old US of A, uh, with the screenplay right. by Raymond Chandler, Whitfield Cook, and I do not know how to pronounce her first name. I looked it up, and I already forget. C Z E N Z I. May, may I? C-Z-E-N-Z-I. Nope, that was. C Z E N Z I. Shenzi. Shenzi? Shenzi? I assume Zen-Z? so. I heard it out loud in some of the behind the scenes stuff. Oh. I was like, oh, it's like that. It was just like a very common pronunciation. Like Chardis. Shenzi. Uh, yeah, really. I don't know. Uh, Ms. Ormond. Yes. <laughs> Madame Ormond. And as we'll talk about later, it's funny that uh, Raymond Chandler is on there for the screenplay because he contributed absolutely nothing to this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Raymond. <laughs> Other than clout. Um, <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. Yep. It is based on Strangers on a Train, uh, Patricia Highsmith. Novel. It was her first novel. It's oh, the only, dope. The only uh, movie that Hitchcock has done of hers. Oh. Um, I don't know anything else that she's done, really. I looked through and I was like, don't I recognize any of these titles? No. Oh. I thought that I recognized the name when we when we watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the, the author that Hitchcock will often take stories from. No, it's... Who is that? We had that same reaction, but it's uh, the person who did Rebecca. Oh, I should have written down yeah. the name. Uh, different, different people. Fair uh, enough. Okay. But... Easily. First novel. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, enormous changes from the novel. We'll talk about that toward the end. Okay. Because it's funny how different they are to the point of, like, Patricia Highsmith likes the movie. But, like, oh, okay. it was just kind of like, that's weird that that's what came out of my book, but sure. <laughs> 
I mean, you have a weird brain, sir, but uh, I'll take it. Oh, it's Du Maurier. Du Maurier Daphne Du Maurier yeah, yeah, is the, the author. Okay. Should just gotta remember cigarettes, cigarettes, cigarettes. <laughs> no, Nick, no. <laughs> and we got in there. We got starring Farley Granger, Ruth Roman, Robert Walker, and little Patricia Hitchcock. She's so cute. She's so oh my cute. god, I can't believe she's in this, and she's like arguably the focus of attention in all of her. <laughs> Hitchcock was just like. Hey, you got anything to do today? By you want to star in this fucking movie? By far the funniest character in the movie. Absolutely. So Such a winner. Yeah. She's just a little little imp running around telling the truth. She's like a cart jester kind of like. Yes. There was a... Yeah, yeah, she feels like a real, like, would appear in a Mozart opera type of character. Just like... Mm. <laughs> yeah, just pulling the strings, but yeah. not really affecting anything. Just no, stirring just, up shit. Just being difficult, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and music by uh, 50s great Dmitry Tyomkin. Hell yeah. Writing music of the time, which is not an ounce of subtlety, but it's still good. I like it. It's great music. So this is the first Hitchcock that we're doing on the pod. We, mm. Which is funny, because we like him it's lots. top tier for me. Yeah, yeah. he's a... He's, uh, turns out he's good at making movies. Hot what take. We're say. <laughs> if you're late to the party. <laughs> I mean, it's very like it's... I, I had heard of Hitchcock, obviously, as a as a... One of the greats and yeah. and did you say T? No, did you hear of him as a teen or whatever? Oh yes, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Hitchcock T? What an odd <laughs> direction to assume it was going. My brain likes tea. Anyway, I heard of him, yes, as a teen. Um as this, you know, up there with like Orson Welles and, uh, and yeah. Stanley Kubrick and, and like certainly for sure, but the the movies are also just kind of more like pulpy than yeah. I expected to watch them, but done with such a degree of like specificity and and detail, and obviously like an enjoyment of the mm. craft. Yeah. They're so fun to watch, oh, and I wasn't so expecting fun. fun. I was like, okay, I'm gonna sit down and do movie homework by watching Hitchcock movies. Hell yeah. no, they're great. <laughs> this ties into like the whole reason we started doing this in the first place to be like, hey, nobody our age ever talks about. Yeah. Anything before How like much 1980. fun it is to watch yeah, <laughs> movies from the 50s. Yeah. And they are, God, he's just, he loves getting a bunch of perverts together and just pushing them around. He is, <laughs> Hitchcock is absolutely the sickos meme just come oh, yeah. to life. That's just him and every one of his characters and every one of his plots. <laughs> it's literally Rear Window. Yeah. That's, that's what the it. meme is. <laughs> he knew. He knew. Ahead of his time. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So let's talk about what happens in this uh, this here movie. Perv movie. <laughs> it is, yeah, it's funny how, like, you go through and it feels very natural and all that, but, like, you yeah. remember, oh, this is from the 50s, and we're talking about, like, babies out of wedlock and, like, divorce, like, all these things. Yeah. That, like, put, can you even put that on Are screen, man? Are you even allowed? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty out there for the time, certainly. Yeah. So we, uh, I love the opening shots of, like, the two different pairs of shoes arriving at the train with, like, yes. the same but different music. I like that a lot. Yes. Yeah. I think it's the same theme but just orchestrated slightly yeah. differently, right? That's exactly right. It's yeah. very charming. I love that as a move. And the idea was, oh, we're going to introduce, you know everything about these characters just from their shoes and the music that's accompanying them. And our shoes belong to two people. Amateur tennis star Guy Haynes, who wants to divorce his promiscuous wife, Miriam, so he can marry uh, another lady named Anne. A senator's daughter. Mm-hmm. Moving up in the world. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we have the other pair of shoes, the fancy shoes, owned by wealthy, smooth-talking psychopath and incredibly queer-coded uh, mama's boy, combined with some sort of edible complex combo. Uh, Bruno Antony is there. It's quite a package. <laughs> he is the whole package. Oh, yes, he is. When people talk about something the whole package, they mean Bruno, right? Yeah, they're talking about Bruno, which we have 
We're winding that down, apparently, now as a society. I'm sorry. I really, I'm going to try not to do it, but it's really hard. So aware of it. There's two Brunos, I know. This movie and Encanto, and that's it. Yep. Uh, and Bruno introduces uh, himself to Guy, being like, hey, aren't you that, that amateur tennis pro, Guy Haynes? Yeah, and, they accidentally sit at the same table yeah. and, like, what is it? Bruno accidentally bumps... No, Guy bumps Bruno. Guy bumps Bruno with his yeah. foot and they kind of glance at you. Oh, excuse me. And then he, oh, wait, I recognize your face. Which that bump, I like the... You talk about Hitchcock, like, clearly loving the stuff, like, the getting into the writing stuff immediately. Mm. It was very important that Guy is, like, the introduction to Bruno, not Bruno forcing himself on Guy. Right, so yes. So you can see this isn't a, like... This isn't Bruno a calculated wasn't looking. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It could happen to, to you! you. <laughs> Which, again, is also the point of all Hedgecock movies. Yes, it is. I get the idea that he wanted something exciting to happen in his life, but it just, okay, I'll make another movie about it. Maybe it, or maybe it's the opposite, where if he keeps making movies about it, it can never no, happen to him, because be what ready. are the odds? I'll be ready for any circumstance. Yes, yeah. We get our two, so the two friends meet, and Bruno immediately starts chatting him up and sitting next to him. We've all around met him. one of these people on the fucking train where you're like, "Yes, I engaged in pleasantries with you for ten seconds. Now, why aren't we please done? Please let us be done. Why aren't we done? Oh god, my god, man. how long is this train trip? Yeah, yeah. You can see the moment where he calculates, like, "Oh my god, we have two and a half hours left to He's go." Doing polite smiles and just like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah," and like very pointedly put the newspaper that he's reading like higher back <laughs> up and nope Bruno's not having any of that he is not uh, and he invites him to his train car for lunch which for some reason guy says yes to I guess just pleasantries or honestly you don't have you don't have podcasts you're bored you're on a train and you're bored <laughs> you're gonna finish that newspaper very soon <laughs> I think it's because he tries like the lunch car is full oh, and it would be like a half hour wait yeah. and so Bruno's like no you have to and you can see him be like oh, god, god I really don't have an excuse right. to I yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, and Bruno explains his. I love his little like thing on like what I think about life is everyone should experience something once. And then hey, yes. you want to swap murders? Yeah. <laughs> he's he's so like. <laughs> this Walker's is what so I imagine if I this. ever encounter a tech bro, what they would be like. Oh God! Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> I have a theory about life. <laughs> you know, you, everything dude. would be better. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's just weird enough from the jump that it's almost not surprising to hear him segue into, I've figured out a way to commit the perfect murder. Yeah. Because he's just such a talker, just like words are spilling out of him and like all of them are kind of weird and you can already tell that he's not got a great sense for social boundaries. Yeah. And so it's not jarring to hear him do this. You're just like, Bruno. It, the lead up to it is so perfect where you're like, oh, the, he's just doing, this is another theory I have. Yes. Like, this isn't a thing we're actually doing. <laughs> no, yeah. He's just like, I figured it out. Like, give me kudos for being smart. Yeah. That's what No one's wants. ever thought of this before. Yeah. But, and I think that's what's <laughs> making me think of the tech bro thing. Where they'll be like, oh, I invented yes. the bus. And like, yes, we... <laughs> An underground tunnel to transport people. Maybe several of them linked together to ensure <laughs> maximum capacity. Hmm. But he, I like, he would be so off-putting if he weren't so like physically charmed. Like he's just so cute. He's very, and he's very like he's lying down in the train car, like in front in front of this stranger, right? So like confident. someone he doesn't yeah. know. He just there are no barriers to him at all. Yeah. And you know this turns into the problem, but it is also very disarming. Where you're like he's harmless. Yeah. He must be harmless. Look at him. He's yeah. just a doof. Like he's just gonna. <laughs> Establish firm boundaries. That's what yeah. this is about. <laughs> um, but so 
Bruno's idea is we'll swap murders so that nobody can tie us to each other's murder. For instance, I'll kill your wife. He's not in, He's not even saying each other at, at oh, first. Oh, okay. You've he's, picked up Here's on what you do. Here's what one sh- would do. <laughs> Two people who don't know each other, sh- you know, should swap each other's murders. Yeah, and he does like... For instance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hate your wife, right? You'd like your wife out of the way. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, Bruno. So, uh... They, Bruno says crisscross a bunch of times, and he <laughs> comes away from the encounter thinking that he's going to kill Guy's wife, and Guy's going to kill Bruno's father, which yeah. is real trusting. Real. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even shake on it. Nope. He, he does the, uh, Guy does the thing to kind of placate Bruno at the end, where Bruno goes, well, you like my idea, don't you? And he goes, sure, Bruno, sure. Like, that's not a yes. Yeah. Don't. You need, but for the again, boundaries that, and communication. For the person that wants to try everything once and is just looking for an excuse. Yep. There you go. Totally. Uh, I love Bruno's, like, nah, I love Bruno's. It's so just good. one of the best intros of a character in yeah. movies. And then we get, uh, well, he, Guy leaves in such a hurry that he leaves his, like, really fancy lighter behind. Really specific yeah. fancy lighter. It's got his initials and his fiance's initials and a tennis racket yeah. engraved on it. <laughs> yes, this belongs to that man. I wonder how they could tell. Uh, and then we get our first true horror movie shot in the whole movie, which is Hitchcock's cameo of taking a double bass onto a train. Without a hard without case. Without a hard case. He's doing it on his own. Oh, my God. This is what we both did for a living for quite a long time. And mm-hmm. my God, nightmare. The- I, I'm just, I'm hearing the noise in my head of the bridge collapsing. <laughs> The gunshot noise that it makes and <laughs> the sound post falling out. Yeah. Oh my god. What are you doing, my dude? Uh, so, Buddy. if you'd like to know more about safely transporting a double bass across train lines, uh, reach out. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be done. I hope that helps. One thing that I think is cool, I'm going to talk about all this like doppelgangery doubled stuff mm. later on, I'm sure. Okay. But um, just before I forget, the reason that he's carrying a double bass is because he's like, oh, doubles in the word. Guy oh. and Bruno are like, double. Let's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cute it's and very... so dumb. <laughs> Fun fact, double bass doesn't really mean anything. Nope. It's just a bass, and the reason it's called that is because it would just, it was a backup, like a, a, it would a double, double other instruments. another line yeah. to make it deeper. That's all. <laughs> there's, no, there's nothing inherently double about it. Nope. Thanks, Baroque music. <laughs> if you want to know more about Baroque music and the double bass, please reach out. <laughs> <laughs> this is going off the rails. It really is. <gasps> Train, Train station! <laughs> Uh, so Guy meets, steps off the train in Metcalf, his hometown, little hometown, meets up with his wife Miriam, who is pregnant by another man, which, like, this is where I'm like, okay, for the 50s, you're just coming out and saying it, and yes, they paint the woman as a villain because of it, but she's like... I don't think they paint the woman as a villain because of that, she just sucks. Oh, yeah. It's almost like, you know... Yes. Guy is like, I don't want to raise another man's child while you're running around behind my back. She's just also a terrible person, like, you know? (laughs) And she realizes suddenly, oh, he... He's doing quite well at his yeah. job. He's making more money. Oh, maybe I don't want to get rid of this guy. Yeah, so she says, no divorce. You're going to have to pay for everything. We're going to come and live with you. Like, yeah. Uh, uh, no, suffocating. You. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that evening, Bruno follows Miriam to an amusement park. And after a protracted, like, weird flirty kind of... I can't tell if she's terrified of him or if she's flirty about it. It's probably both. Yeah, Hitchcock's into that kind of thing. Yes, that's true. Very Hitchcock. <laughs> uh, 
and strangles her to death on an island, which we get that so, such a cool shot of the reflection of the glasses. I looked up over and over how they did that, and like I couldn't make the words go into my brain. <laughs> like it's something about the camera was pointed at a concave mirror that then mm. they took another uh, film of something and superimposed it over top so that it gave that weird reflection look. But okay. like the mirror is like eight feet high or something crazy. So it, this sounds like whenever I try to read about Metropolis, how they <laughs> how they like filmed the huge city scenes. I'm like, yeah. I understand that they did something and it has something to do with mirrors and refracting. It sounds uh, neat yeah. and kind of magical. And I'm really proud of you. Yeah, I'm so it. proud of all of you. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very cool so shot. Cool. Yeah. yeah. This is when you get into the like, oh, Hitchcock is just a pulpy, like fun loving guy. Totally. It's just, I'm going to make something look really neat every every like important scene in this looks like it could be the cover of like a mm. pulpy you know yeah i think that's a crime yeah. novel yeah yeah and this glass is shot 100 percent absolutely yeah uh and a little for uh shadow of stuff i got for you later uh originally there were no glasses in this movie which is weird oh. nobody wore any glasses oh it's quite a plot point yeah yeah so miriam's dead one down uh <laughs> When Guy arrives home, Bruno shouts across the street for him to come over. Whisper shouts, Guy. Guy. <laughs> oh, so creepy. Uh, and he kind of lays it out like, I did it. And he's like, what the fuck? What are you doing <laughs> at my home? Dude. I'm here about the thing we talked about. What the fuck? The, the what? Gives him the glasses as like a receipt. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Murder accomplished. Uh, I really like this whole scene where... You know, obviously, Guy's not expecting Bruno to ever show up in his life again. And suddenly, mm. oh my god, he's here. Which is weird enough. And then, like, you did what? You murdered my wife. The Bruno is standing behind oh, the gate. And he's got, I, I don't know what you would call it. I know there is a word for it. In modern horror movies, there's this very, there's this tendency to frame things directly, like, put things directly in the center of yeah. the frame. It's very, like, midsummery. It's mm-hmm. very, you know... And, oh, it's scary because it's so dead on. Like, it's looking right at you. That kind of thing. Yeah. This is not that. But it feels like a precursor almost. Yes. Yeah. This is, this is you know, when Guy looks back across the street because he hears his name being whispered. And the shot is framed so that your eye goes to the middle of the gate. It goes to that very centered area. There's no one there. You can see just, like, his cheek and his hat kind of. Like but at, on the side, you, you yeah. kind of, like, you're staring at the center of this frame where where the shot is is obviously composed so your eye will go right there and then bruno is right to the directly to the side of it and he moves a little bit and you're like oh my god you were there the whole time it's so eerie i love it it's there's so many things like tattooed in my brain from this movie that's Mm -hmm. one of them for sure the glasses this i'm not ashamed to admit that that has i have been almost asleep some nights and then I think about that shot and my brain goes nope you're awake now <laughs> how about some adrenaline yeah would you like to be terrified <laughs> anyway great shit that's where you're oh, like yeah. uh oh yeah. uh oh yeah guy is just having a normal day mm-hmm. <laughs> Like a bad one because he has marital problems, but that's it. And that's no different from any other day he's been having recently. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) But here comes something new. Dun, dun, dun. And the other thing I really like about this, so we get that, uh, I I like how you broke that down. That is, Mm. there's all the the unspoken craft of like, why is it so eerie? And that's exactly it. But when they start talking to each other, you get the first hint of what I think of as Bruno's theme. 
Yes. And it's played on like oh, it's hundred percent Brunette's thing. Wispy yeah. har- uh, harmonics on a violin. Yeah. So it's this like really breathy. breathy it's too high. On otherworldly kind of like it's not. Yeah. It's not really definite. But it's I feel I love it for the storytelling thing of like mm. this isn't like a we don't know what this is yet this isn't no. like defined no so it's just kind of like floating in the wind that like we know mm. something is doings is a transpiring yeah <laughs> something is going wrong which I don't always love Dimitri Tiomkin's music but no. like because sometimes it is honestly just like okay I get it it's, it's very so bombastic loud. And, it. yeah <laughs> uh, but shit like this so good so good so great it's such good storytelling yeah I love it. Um, and I love that interaction and it, like immediately puts you on the like, okay, you're with Guy on, okay, oh, what, yeah. what, like, what, what is like, happening? Oh no. How, I, I just want to make this go away, please. And now the Not phone interested. is ringing. What am I going to do when I answer the phone? And yeah. now I'm going to have to talk to Anna about it. What am I going to do when I talk to Anna about yeah. it? Like really getting you real good. And there's this one moment where he could have like... Bruno is counting on him to play it safe, mm, which yeah. is obviously anyone's instinct. The police roll up to his door because they've found Aunt, or, uh, Miriam's body yeah. at the carnival. He's not there because He's, he hasn't gone inside. He freaks out when he sees the police and he ducks back behind the gate with Bruno. Yeah. And so Bruno's like, oh, we're hiding. Oh, cool. We're we're in <laughs> and it, it could have been avoided if he had just gone the fuck into his house. And if he had been home... They might have been like, oh, okay, well, like, maybe the timing doesn't... But he yeah. fucks himself. Oh, he wasn't true. home yeah. when the police called. So they're like, well, he was out. Where was he? Because a lot of the entanglements that follow are, well, we couldn't establish where you were that exactly. night. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, ah, that's and good he, he, like, ducks back into the shadow with Bruno. And Bruno is like, yes, I fucking got him. <laughs> got him. <laughs> now, He's do down you, here with me. Do you think... This is a thing that I go back and forth on. Do you think that Bruno is, like oh, we're in this together, we're a team. Or do you think that he's like, oh, Guy wasn't really convinced, I'll have to, like, manipulate him into I'll the right I'll have to path. trap him. Yeah. I honestly think at first Bruno's like, we're a team. Because mm. I get the feeling that he, like, he's off-putting, mm. like, in some ways. He's very charming to, like, older women. Yeah. and like, but, but some people just clearly do not like interacting with him. <laughs> this is later on in the movie as yes. he starts, like, showing up more and more. <laughs> And I think he was just stoked that Guy talked to him all the way on the train. Yeah. He just can't really take no for an answer, right? Yeah. So he was like, no, we're friends. Like, we're in this together. Any day now, Guy's, guy's going to do my murder. Mm-hmm. So I think he really was like, oh, Guy gets it. Like, he's <laughs> he's hiding from the police because he knows how this should go. He can't be caught. Like, we can't, you know. Yeah. And you know what I skipped over, which just kind of, like, rounds out that he's just kind of an antisocial guy or yeah. not even antisocial he doesn't get he's into not... places socially yes uh is his scene at home with his mother oh yes uh That's where right. he's like i have decided against doing my idea about blowing up the white house and she's like oh you're so funny he's like no i was gonna fucking no do it. i was gonna do it <laughs> but what would the president say <laughs> such a <laughs> weird so good line um we see her painting uh that yeah absolutely grotesque like painting she's like i just love painting it's so soothing <laughs> she's painting this fucking monstrous portrait that whole family there's something there's weird something going wrong in that house in that house <laughs> as hitchcock would go to explore later in future movies every movie <laughs> uh yeah it's oh god i just bruno is such a good character love it so much so great um anyway yeah yep so uh guy goes to the morton's home where Anne's father informs guy that 
his wife has been murdered, and he's like, oh, gosh, first I've heard I'm of it. I'm hearing this now for the first time. That's friggin' crazy. That's <laughs> so wild. What? Wild. What? Me- my Miriam? <laughs> it's reasonable acting, considering. It, yeah. He does have a, like, I gotta sit down, shaky yeah. moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but the real star of the picture comes forward, and Sister Barbara says that the police will think that Guy is the murderer since he has a motive. She just lays oh it on thick, God. like. But they will suspect him, right? Right, Dad. He's, yeah. He's clearly the only suspect. Like. <laughs> it's a really funny. Like I know that the, <laughs> I know that the pairing is supposed to be Guy and Bruno, and they're supposed to like be. I think really like Barbara is kind of the opposite of Bruno, where she's got that mm. schemey clockwork brain, but she's just using it for good. She's yeah. like, okay, here's how murder cases go here's what the police are going to think here's what we can do to prevent them thinking that or to like get ahead of it like she's got a real pl- she 100 percent a, a true crime podcast host oh in another life God, right yes, this yes. woman yeah she's so fun she's very blunt yes and <laughs> she just goes around like pouring whiskeys for everybody and like okay what are we gonna do about this like doesn't like miriam so not a care in the world nope. for miriam's murder miriam is not a human person to barbara yeah <laughs> but you saying that she doubles Bruno. She doubles Miriam really good, obviously, with the appearance of the glasses true. and all that. But the same bluntness, the same scheminess, the same... That's true, I don't actually. consider the needs of others. I'm just going on about <laughs> the stuff I'm interested in. Uh, yeah, yeah, I that's that. true. Yeah. Man, so many, so many like, good parallels yeah. in this movie, for I love sure. It. Yeah. Um... Yeah, what the hell is going on in this movie? Where <laughs> so they're they're sitting around trying to figure out, like, okay, like, uh, obviously oh, I yeah. didn't do it, so how are we going, like, what's our next step? How are we going to, you know? Yep. And uh, the senator's really like, well, I mean, it's fine if they, the press comes to the door. It's <laughs> Senators get a little, no, it's Barbara says, like, you're a senator, you get scandals. You're it's... used to scandal. Yeah. <laughs> They do the extremely classic upper class thing of like, well, the police will believe me, so there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, so I'll just tell done. them I didn't do it. <laughs> White people. Um, <laughs> the police do question Guy, but are unable to confirm his alibi. He had talked to a drunken professor on the train that he was on at the time who yeah. was blackout drunk and remembers none of us. Which is such a funny detail to me. I love I that know. for just being like, oh shit. Uh, I mean, that could definitely happen. What else are you going to do on train trips? Like, I've crossed the country by train and it is long. <laughs> there is not a lot going on. Gotta yeah. get yourself pickled. <laughs> Uh, so they, but they don't have enough to convict, so they just, uh, assigned him a police escort mm-hmm. around the clock. I wonder how long this was going to go on. Like, until they found the real murderer, I guess? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or, I feel like you gotta, like, well, the, we will pursue all these leads, and then when they are done, the investigation is done, and we do what we can. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's kind of how Clue works, right? I think I'm, my brain is just working <laughs> on Clue rules, like. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we get one of my favorite sequences in the whole movie. I think I've said this about almost every sequence so far. Uh, Bruno pressuring guy just starts yes. following around. It we... feels very montage-y. Yeah, almost. it does. Yeah. Even though it's not at all. But nope. that's how my memory remembers yeah. it. Yeah, It's just an escalating series of, of encounters. Yeah, and we get more and more of that harmonic theme getting louder yep. um, more insistent if you will yes we get him that cool shot of him on the steps of yeah. that capitol building i don't capitol know what, building, I guess. Of... he's in washington for a for a tennis match yeah so i assume a capitol yeah. building yeah sure uh he introduces himself to Anne in another capitol building of some kind yes and... they're on a tour or something mm. he keeps popping up and and 
guy goes into panic mode every time yeah. where he's like, um, uh, we gotta go somewhere else. He's just a fan of my amateur tennis. <laughs> well, that's true. I, uh, yeah, shit. <laughs> he's not lying. Uh, finish the last one is him the the zoom in on the tennis match crowd that are watching oh. the ball go back and forth and he's just locked on to you there that's an upsetting fucking shot yeah. that that's another one where you're like i can't tell what's wrong and then suddenly your Zooms brain realizes back. what it is it, everyone else's heads are bouncing back and forth watching this tennis match except one fucking person <laughs> who's just laser focused yeah. on, oh blah blah <laughs> And he introduces himself to the family at that point and insinuates himself into a party the next mm-hmm. day. Just as like a fun socialite type yeah. of person. Nothing, you know. <laughs> but Anne is suspicious. Yes. She is very off-put by him. I, I like Anne in this. I like She's Anne a lot. Yeah. on the ball. Yeah. She's like, She's, something is not right with this dude. She's putting together clues like, hmm, yeah. guy gets sweaty every time he's around. Yeah. Uh, he's staring at my sister, and he's got a little clip with his name Bruno on it, so yeah. I'm going to remember this. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> yep. On guard, yeah. And uh, she goes on guard throughout this uh, party, at which Bruno... <laughs> Uh, playfully demonstrates how to strangle somebody. He's just having a good time. He's having this conversation again. We're like, here's the easiest, here's the best way to murder someone. You yeah. can't use a tool. You can't use, you know, guns are loud. Poison is obvious. Like, or it takes too long, stuff like that. And He's these like, two old ladies are having the time of their lives talking and giggling. It's so and then, weird. Yeah, it's such a you can tell they're uncomfortable, but they're also kind of into it. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, this is so forward, but like, we're 80. No <laughs> one is paying attention to us. Yes. We're stuck on the couch because we're tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also me at parties. So fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah. I'm sitting down right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no one said you weren't. <laughs> Podcasting just, isn't like an activity. I'm where... <laughs> sympathizing with the characters in this that I would All want right. to be sitting down to. Fair yeah. enough. Those dresses look heavy. <laughs> Lots of pearls. Covered in all those jewels. They're really the... (laughs) Society. Yes. Anyway, Bruno. Bruno then has his gaze falls upon Miriam. Not Miriam. I did it. I did it. (laughs) Upon the Miriam Mm stand-in. Barbara. Barbara, who's got the same style of glasses as Miriam. And they do kind of look like the same. Same face shape. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Very, like, yeah. Circular head as opposed to, like, more oval. Yeah. 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 And exact same glasses, and Bruno lapses into a fugue state, apparently. (laughs) Like, it's like, I don't imagine he was stressed strangling her out, because he seems fine. Like, he helped a blind man cross the street right afterward. He's having a good night out. He's sneaky, like he's escaping calmly, confidently. But it looks like lapse into PTSD kind of thing, of like, I am reliving that moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but not in a bad way. I think he is just like, his brain is so off kilter that he he goes back into like yes killing mode i would <laughs> like to relive the killing when he the carnival music starts playing that's his like activation yeah. sound <laughs> that's his manchurian candidate yeah. thing is if he goes near a merry-go-round <laughs> crush kill destroy <laughs> next week we'll be doing the manchurian candidate Dead. no we will not um, we should do that at some yeah, point. Good movie. That's a good movie. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he passes out because yeah. he's just so sleepy. From the stress of, yeah. like, reliving his murder. And I will say here, too, so the, the carnival music in this, it obviously isn't original. It's just music sure. that existed. Yeah. But, like, if Hitchcock and Tiomkin, like, sat down and were like, what's the most unnerving music you're going to hear <laughs> at a carnival? Like, mm-hmm. the band plays on. That's a bad one. <laughs> yeah. Do you get the impression that Bruno has never murdered anyone before? I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That, that's one Me of the too. reasons he's lapsing into it is he's just yeah. like i gotta get back oh, to that shit. thing yeah like we do all the like friggin 
I have CSIS stuck in my brain. That's not right. That's Canadian. <laughs> CIA? Uh, CIA or like uh, CSI. That's what I'm thinking. Criminal okay. Minds shows oh, sure, sure, sure. that are about like, oh, he's got a taste for killing now and he's going like, right. to escalate. Escalating. That's yeah. the exact, like that's what is being said mm. without being said here to me. Yes. He, he wants to continue that streak. He wants to. Yeah. How is this 1951 movie about a murder more subtle about <laughs> psychopathic behavior then? <laughs> Yeah, Hitchcock has a real eye for weird fucking dudes. He that's, does. That's what it is. Oh, but you know what? Bruno definitely, like, I I bet you anything that his backstory is he used to torture animals. Oh, yeah, big time. That's his, yeah. yeah. And his mother had to, like, move him from school to school for a while. So he couldn't and, like, make any friends. So he's always at home with his mother. Yeah. And he does, yeah, doesn't know how to socialize properly. Oh, Bingo. We've cracked the code. Okay, there you go. Hurrah. Anyway, he sucks, but in a great way. <laughs> he, but we love to watch him. He's the killer you love to watch. Um, and Barbara is watching yeah. him Think stare about killing at her. her while he's, like, choking out this old woman who's screaming and is like, let go of me, let go of me, and, like, can't breathe. Yeah. And she's like, nope, that wasn't right. People don't do that. What the fuck? He goes and tells her sister because, yeah, you're freaked out. Yeah. And Anne puts it all together. Like, I love that she just is like, you know what? He killed Miriam. He, he's a blackmailing guy. What's happening? Yeah, she's so, it's so, it's so clean. Her, yeah. her logic is impeccable in this where she's looking at Barbara, who's freaked out and is like, you have the same glasses as me. He kept like, yeah. he kept staring me right in the eyes. And, and she's like, why is this guy hanging around right after Miriam is murdered? He starts hanging around. He's making Guy nervous, mm-hmm. clearly. Yeah. Oh my God, he killed Miriam. Yeah. So Barbara... And, he thinks, and she thinks Guy's in on it. Yes. That's that's the one thing that she's unsure of. She confronts Guy about it. I was going to say, Barbara is the, crew, the true crime host. Yes. And would definitely be the listener of the podcast. She'd yes, like, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Where she calls in and it's like a tip from her that cracks the case yeah. or whatever. Well, I think that if, if the wrench was there, then that must mean that the brother was out back at the time. And that, so therefore it was the sister that did it. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. We need to reboot our society and get away from these things. <laughs> this is this is the natural end game of Strangers on a Train. True crime proliferation. 100%. <laughs> yes. Uh, nice. So Bruno is like, okay, he keeps harassing Guy, and Guy uh, keeps getting these packages. He gets the little map with the key, like, here's my room, yeah, here's listen, my dad's come room. Come on, I will literally draw you a picture. <laughs> Get your end of the bargain done. He sends him a gun through the mail, which should be... <laughs> I don't think you should be able to do that. Oh, yeah. I'm not an expert, but... Feels terrifically illegal. I mean, it's all illegal, and but... risky. Very risky, yeah. my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Guy is like, okay... I'm going to go to this guy's dad's house. And he enters, creeps into the room where Bruno's father is after sneaking by the the doggy who's actually just friendly. And here's where, fun fact, in the book, Guy kills Bruno's father. Oh, shit. No way. And the idea of the book is even the most, like, moral person can be corrupted by outside influences. Dang. Okay. Hardcore shit. Wow. Um, Patricia. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um... But uh, instead, here's where we get Bruno there. Just throws back so the, funny. the covers in a full tuxedo. Wearing a full tux in bed and just staring <laughs> balefully up at him like, how dare you? So disappointed. Which, like, he was ready to die at that point. If Guy That's was, wild. Yeah. He was very sure that Guy was not there to murder his father. <laughs> but, or, do you, or, yeah, do you think he was ready to die and that's why he was wearing his nice clothes? <laughs> I think maybe. Maybe, yeah. The guy's... 
just wild enough to do it. He is wild, yeah. There, I love Bruno for this of like any of these wild things could be like he knew guy wasn't gonna do it, so he could be yeah. there to be like tisk tisk guy. Tisk tisk. Or he's gonna shoot me, and I'm free from this mortal coil. I guess he's like the Joker of this movie. He like really you is. don't fucking know. Yeah, could be anything. Or yeah, or he's just chaos agent, just like yep. like I want to be there to see what happens. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, guy tries to tell Bruno get some help, buddy. You're kind of sick. I think this is the closest he comes to saying, like, you are mentally ill. You yeah. are unwell. You, for your own sake and for the sake of your family and the people around you, please get help. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't he say, like, before you hurt somebody else? Like, it's yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah. Bruno's response, of course, is to threaten Guy for breaking their deal. <laughs> That's always what you want to tell someone is, you're not well. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> are you Are you listening? To but not now. I'm going to make you suffer first. Yeah, yeah you're going to pay for yeah. fucking me over. Yeah. Which, you yeah, suckers. the easy way is kill a guy in the moment. But no, I'm going to make sure he goes to jail and his life is ruined. Yeah. And, uh, vindictive little boy. We get the nice creepy shot of a guy going down the stairs with Bruno and the dog. That's another one that's like... Tailing him, yeah. In my brain. Mm -hmm. The amount of shots in this movie of Bruno that are just him in full shadow... Yeah. Well, this is where... Arguably more than... (laughs) You get into like, and for people who know that's about Hitchcock, just go forward 30 seconds or whatever. uh, (laughs) How he would storyboard like so intensely that by the time he started shooting the movie, he was mad because he was like... The only I'm bored thing, of this now. I'm bored of this. The only thing that can happen is for it to be worse than what I imagined. Yeah. So, like, this is one of those things of, like, oh, he has this in his brain of, like, yes. this exact shot, and he was able to bring it out here. Yeah. Just, yeah. just like, Definitely. yes. Yes. <laughs> you did it. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that, where he's like, I already did, th- I yeah. already shot this. He's, I storyboarded it. The movie exists. Yeah, he's shooting his next movie in his mind yes. already while he's doing this yeah, to absolutely. just, like, get through it as fast as possible. <laughs> what a guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Anne visits Bruno's home, trying to explain, like, Oops. no, your son's a murderer. We gotta, like, stop. And the mom is like, oh, Bruno's so silly. Have a good day. Did he say that he murdered someone? Like, and she goes, of course not. <laughs> Did Bruno tell you this? No, he didn't fucking tell me that he murdered someone. I just know. Uh, That's so great. Anne is a, a doll. Yep. love Anne. She's trying her best. Yep. <laughs> Uh, but Bruno comes in and is like, oh, mommy didn't believe you. Uh-oh. So mean. <laughs> Shows her the lighter. Like, oh, I'd be a shame if this were to show up somewhere <laughs> incriminating. Nice lighter would be a shame <laughs> if it became evidence. And then we get no. the, like, the most stressful tennis match in the world. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, they put together that Anna's like, oh, no, he's going to go plant this at the crime scene because the police are still actively looking yeah. for clues. It's It's game over if that happens. So, like... But you can't be seen to be running off back to the spot where your mu- wife was murdered because you have a police escort, like a tail. And the whole family is under surveillance, so yeah. nobody trustworthy can do it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh. So they put together this like little caper to to get Guy out of his tennis match. And guys, so I just simply have to win every single point as fast as possible, <laughs> and then I'll leave. It's very simple, oh, Anne. Oh, wish I'd thought of that. Wish I'd thought of winning my tennis match. And I love, so the tennis match goes on, and I do like that get Guy is an amateur, I was going to say tennisian. Yes. Uh, <laughs> tennisian. Right? Uh, because apparently, like, they, they obviously shot an actual tennis match, and that's what's mm. edited together. Yeah. But apparently to pro tennis players, they're just like, tennis playing fucking sucks. 
Like, it's two kind of bored guys, like, not really in shape, just kind of hitting a ball back and forth, mm. not really trying mm. to do anything. Amazing. Uh, works on me, though. I'm a dummy. Yeah, uh, this is how it feels to be, like, when we watch classical musicians play mm. in movies, we're like, what the fuck? Who put this shit on film? Or when we talk about like, double bases on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. is the same thing. As for instance. <laughs> but yes, it is stressful. <laughs> He's got to win it, what is it, as fast as possible so he can catch a specific train, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of trains, we get this cross cut with Bruno going in the train toward the town to yeah. drop the lighter. And here's where like Bruno's theme has been like, developing the whole time, but now we're getting, like, big honking brass and, like, yeah, yeah. less I'm in suspense and more, like, I am resolved. Something is about it. to happen, yeah. yeah. And then Bruno is just admiring the lighter and drops it down a sewer grate. You which tell me. It does feel like this is so unnecessary. This is just manipulating the audience, but it explains the time lag and guy getting... Yeah. From the tennis match there. And because you do, like, the train trip is is several, is a few hours. <laughs> and it will so. not change depending on how no. fast Guy runs. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but it does give you a nice insight into character, uh, Bruno's determination. Good mm-hmm. characterization. There. Yeah, he crams his hand and arm up to the <laughs> shoulder all the way down to a sewer grate to retrieve this fucking lighter. Yeah, it's great. And that's, yeah, that's the moment I'm thinking of where he's slowly, like, he's just reaching the lighter and yeah. his music is starting to, like, yeah. really thump Ramp out. up. Yeah, it's great. The upshot of this, too, is that it's dark by the time mm. they both arrive at the carnival. Yeah. I love that. And guy, Bruno realizes as he's getting the carnival, like, oh, some of these guys might recognize me from when I was very suspiciously on the island when she died. <laughs> uh, One guy in particular, what is it, the operator, like the boat operator, yeah. recogni- or saw him kind of, you know, f- fleeing the yeah. scene and was like, what's up with that? And now here he is again for some reason. I know that face. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy manages to finish the match and sweatily hops in a cab, gets on a train, and is there. Yay. And we get our, uh, I love Guy... Running into the carnival, just going, "Hey, hey, Bruno!" Just so, yeah. like, buddy, the police guy. are watching you. <laughs> you. And here's where we get. I think when we were watching this again the other day, I said out loud to you, "Like, oh, Hitchcock really hates cops, but he's really holding it back this time. Like, he's making them a nuisance, but not." Normally, there's something, <laughs> yeah, where they're like, "Here's cops being the worst possible at their jobs." Yeah, not so much in this. And then here we are, right here at the end. Here we are. The cop pulls a gun on a merry-go-round full of children, fires, and kills an innocent man. Yep. <laughs> uh, police work. There it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we get Guy and uh, Bruno on the out-of-control merry-go-round. The coolest set piece. I oh, love how this is shot. How, where, how did he think of this? It's so great. Is I, this in the novel? Nope. It mustn't be, right? Nope. Because, yeah. Yeah, this is a real classic Hitchcock thing. Mm-hmm. It's devised so well of, like, you've got immediate hostages in the way. You've yes. got... Children. M- children. The most innocent of hostages. <laughs> uh, you've got... The police can't get on because of the yeah, centrifugal force yeah. of this thing. <laughs> it's... it's out of control spinning, which would be really fun, I think, but not good for and trying the, to. Uh, solve the murder. ramping up the music is just yeah. so great. Love it. <laughs> I do love those. Are all just machines where, yeah, the the speed of the music is actually it's the same yeah. gears as as are tied to the operation of the actual merry-go-round. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I, all out of you control. You slow down a merry-go-round and it. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Hitchcock knows this merry-go-round technology. He does. Apparently. And then the true hero of the movie emerges, the carnival worker who crawls under the merry-go-round. While it's going fucking 80 miles an hour. So, a little behind-the-scenes action here. Uh Uh-oh. The man who crawled under there, he was just a guy who worked on the carousel. He's not an actor. He's not a stuntman. Okay, sure. He's a guy. He looks like a carny. Yeah. (laughs) He's got a really carny face about him. Lacking some teeth. (laughs) Gentle face. Yeah. He just volunteered because he's like, yeah, I can do that. Oh, Uh, So And Hitchcock says it's the most scared he's ever been on one of his sets because... So wait, yeah, how legit is this stunt? Like, it, what's happening above this guy while he's crawling? He is crawling under an out-of-control merry-go-round. They, they did this to the <laughs> merry-go-round? I, like, it's not going nearly as fast as it seems, but yeah, it's going, it's going fast enough oh, that... Shit. Quote from Hitchcock here. If the man had raised his head even slightly, it would have gone from being a suspense film into a horror film. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So they did one take oh. of it, is my understanding, and then Hitchcock yeah. was like, never again. We Thank are never you for doing your service. Again. Yep. Nope. Too much even for me. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. We get a super funny take of the, there's a mother in the crowd going, my baby, my baby. Yeah. And it cuts to the kid <laughs> the having kid the time of his life. The kid is loving it. Like, wee. <laughs> they never let me do this. Uh, it's really good. But our hero applies the brakes too abruptly and causes the merry-go-round to explode. Fall off its axis. Yeah. Yep. Oh it's my just, god. It's skipping the brakes. That's what's happening yes, there. Yes. Right. 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 Yeah. Just... The, the gear teeth didn't lock in. Exactly. Yeah. That is a. Fu- the more I think about that set piece, I'm like, this is a bonkers. Yeah. To so, conceive of and to put into practice and the way it came out. Yeah. Like it. I, Spectacular. You know it has to be a combination of rear projection and miniatures, which yeah. it is. But it doesn't. There's only like one or two shots that you're like, oh, I guess that looks like rear projection. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and here the like the little little moment of Bruno's dying. Uh, he gets crushed by the merry-go-round, and guy runs up like, tell them like you don't have anything left. Like you're going to you're, die. You're bleeding out right tell now. Tell them I didn't do it. And he's yeah. Bruno's like, but guy, you did do it. Committed right to, to the end. Like, yeah. yeah, I was trying to get you out of this guy. Uh, you little weasel. Yep, and the police can't put two and two together. But he's got the lighter, and so the evidence absolves him. Yes. And we get a cute little final scene of the <laughs> of a stranger attempting to strike up conversation with guy, and he's just like, "Fuck no!" On, the, on a train. How yeah. dare you talk to me in my family? <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. He and Anne have, like, gone on yeah. their honeymoon or whatever. And he's like, aren't you the tennis star? He's like, never again. Nope, do not speak to it's me. It's a priest, too, just yeah. to make an ex- like double like. Like, it's fine, buddy. <laughs> womp womp. Strangers on a train. That's the movie. Yes, it is. Ah, I love it. It is, like, get me on a particular day, and I would say this might be my favorite Hitchcock. Yeah? Like, yeah. I am honestly surprised that it's not in more people's, like, top three Hitchcocks, yeah. for sure. Like, it's so good. It's so, like, juicy, pulpy shit, but it's also, like, the craft is so good. It's so funny, too. Like, it's really funny. It's just what I want every thrillery movie to be is this movie. Like, yes, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And this is, it isn't a horror movie. It is absolutely a suspense movie. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the writing of this just because it's one of those, like, hey, why did we give Raymond Chandler credit for oh, this? Oh, sure, yeah. Um, what does he have to do with this? So the studio was, like get a guy with clout on your writing staff so that we can really sell it. Okay. Um, and Chandler and Hitchcock were both, like, reputed assholes to work with. Yep. <laughs> so they didn't work good together. Oh, good. Uh, to the point of, like, Raymond Chandler was, like, when they would go to meetings, Chandler would point and laugh at Hitchcock trying to get out of a car and be like, ha, fatty, can't get out of the car. Like, verbatim saying Ooh. that. 
And he eventually got fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think? Yeah. So the actual writing of this movie was Whitfield Cook is a guy I don't really know anything about. He's just a buddy of Hitchcock's. Okay. Um, so he's not like... British, oh. sure. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, he's just a friend of the family who Hitchcock likes to work with. And that's sure. their thing. So I mentioned that a lot of the book is changed. Mm-hmm. In the book, Bruno is a, like, down-on-his-luck alcoholic who's unemployed, has no money. Like, okay, he's, so he's, he's desperate. He yeah. needs, like, okay. He he's a psychotic win. drifter, yeah. With no <laughs> charisma whatsoever. He's offering oh. to everybody. So the, like... Okay. The... Oh, yeah, he's a womanizing alcoholic. That's what he's supposed to be. Sure. So Cook is the guy who made Bruno what he is in this movie. Mm. The, like, well fucking purposefully done. queer-coded, dapper mama's boy. Oh, yeah, could not be more queer-coded. Oh, like, the first two or three minutes, you're like, oh, you're doing all the physical gestures that at the time are supposed to tell us that you're Yeah, like, if you, if you replaced Guy with a female character, his behavior would make 100% sense for a 50s movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Hitchcock hired, like, wanted him to write this expressly to make the movie as sexually ambiguous as possible because mm. he wanted sexual tension between the two leads. I mean, and it's, it's not there. unlike that. Yeah, <laughs> it's absolute. Well, you know, you've got this double of like, or this doubling theme throughout the movie. Mm. If if you read it that way, guy is, you know, he's having problems with his wife. Mm. It's not working out. He's going on to marry who everyone should want to marry this mm. like a senator's daughter like respectable well-off woman who loves him and and but it's just all like not going well and then yeah. in comes bruno and is like hi i'm openly gay and Wanna hang? <laughs> yeah guy's kind of like no i mustn't but he can, like kind of can't yeah. extricate himself from this situation it's very like this is this is like an an out queer person mm-hmm. type of character Guy is fighting so hard not to be that, but he can't quite get away from it. Yeah. You know? like, the I, harder he fights, the the more he gets stuck in. Yeah. Know. Very much you're caught in a trap of your own destruction yes. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, I don't love Farley Granger as an actor. He's, when I think of, like... I think he's fine. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of nothing him, but when I think of, like, stagey 50s acting, I tend to think of someone like Farley Granger. <laughs> That's fair. But he... Part of the writing that went into this was that he, they wanted somebody who was like kind of weak, a little effeminate because mm. this is He's very pretty. Yeah, so that yeah. Bruno is like the strong masculine presence, and that's the the okay the, the turmoil dynamic. that's going on. Mm. But I do love in all the behind scenes, behind the scenes stuff I watched. Uh, more than one person just talked about how Farley Granger is implicitly weak looking. Just what? fucking dragging his ass off. Ouch! Over. Just like, yeah, he's perfectly cast. There's this implicit weakness in his eyes that you can tell he's always scared. What the <laughs> fuck, you guys? Back off! And Farley Granger is also in the behind the scenes stuff being yeah. like, it was a very fun movie to work on. I about. had fun. <laughs> you know what they're saying about you over yeah. on the next soundstage? <laughs> Jump the cut, dude, and <laughs> hear what they really think. <laughs> That's so great. Yes, we cast him because he was made of Play-Doh. Okay, all right. Uh, it does kind of feel like there's this mix of, like, he's never had to do anything hard in his life. Yes. And, oh my god, this person is so much smarter and cleverer than, than he is. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so funny. A real empty-headed pretty boy. <laughs> yes, about to marry a senator's daughter. And he doesn't he say specifically at one point, like, I'd like to do something in politics. I'm like, going to enter politics shortly. Yeah. Yeah, oh, are, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. 
Um, no thoughts. So because the writing went so poorly, they had basically what they had was like the treatment, which because Hitchcock's an obsessive guy, the treatment yeah. was a complete script, a complete script <laughs> without dialogue. That's the thing. That they oh, were okay, all right. Um, so they got like something to work with. So they okay. start shooting. They, they'll figure out a script later. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. So they shoot all the like all the really creepy wordless stuff, like mm. Bruno on the Capitol Step Hills, oh, some sure. of the tennis match stuff. All of that is getting shot while they're like, we gotta flesh out what's actually happening in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> Quick, write the dialogue. So the script uh, was started by Shazzy, Shazzy, Ormond, the woman whose name I, I can't remember. Ormond. Uh, C-Z-E-Z-I, Ormond, uh, who we talked about at the beginning. Ch-Chiz. Can you, can you, can you? C-Z-E-Z-I. Shazzy. Chenzy. I think you're missing an N. Oh, I think it might be. Chenzy. Ms. Ormond. Yes. Love your work. So she started on it, and it was fleshed out by... The associate producer, Barbara Keon, Hitchcock, obviously, and Alma, his Hitchcock's wife. Oh, lovely. Um, she was like a big part of his his work, right? Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of how, like, all the good stuff of Star Wars is actually from George Lucas's wife. Right. I got a similar thing where, like, all the good writing stuff is actually Alma. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, like, Alma wife muses in creative mm-hmm. history. I love that. Yeah. Actually, um, there's just two. It's Mahler and Hitchcock. <laughs> but this is the team that came up with the idea of the lighter. Like, the lighter doesn't exist uh, in previous versions. They were just like, we got to figure out a thing. Yeah, you do. Like, <laughs> I'm really curious as to what, like, Hitchcock obviously loved the book, but, like, what was the book if there was no lighter and, like, the, you know, like, Bruno wasn't charismatic? and <laughs> The back half doesn't recognize oh, the back oh, okay. half of the, All right, that's the fair. movie and book. Aren't, that's fair. Yeah, it's really just the setup idea of it okay sure um they also came up with the merry-go-round finale together <laughs> and the idea of having these thick-rimmed glasses be a thing mm, um, yes actually Beautiful. counter that just glasses glasses would be the thing okay. because they said to uh casey rogers who went by laura elliott at the time who plays mm. miriam oh, okay they uh, hitchcock went to her like go pick out some glasses <laughs> uh and so she uh was like okay i'll just All go right. to a glasses store i don't wear glasses so i don't know what i'm looking for really <laughs> Um, and she picked out the pair that are in the movie. Okay. Uh, so thanks, Casey Rogers. Uh, so they made up a bunch of pairs and like Barbara's are exact doubles for me. Oh, so okay. I wasn't sure. They just have different, uh, rim or not rim lens thicknesses. Sure. Sure. Her so. Barbara's look weightier. Really? Cause I think the opposite. I feel oh, the yeah? opposite around. Yeah. Oh, I don't know why. Yeah. Huh. A lifelong glasses wearer. So <laughs> Actually, I should trust you on that. Yeah. <laughs> Please, this is my area. <laughs> but the thing that I really like about this is um, Casey Rogers like really came into the production last minute and mm. all this stuff. So they really just like threw these glasses together. For long shots, they're like empty, just so that you can see the frames on her head. Sure. Obviously. Less glare. And, yeah. yeah. And she doesn't wear glasses. But there's a lot of close-ups where you can see those fuckers are thick. <laughs> Yep. And so she couldn't see nothing. Oh no! Oh poor girl. Oh, <laughs> She's boy. like everything's just dim, vague shapes. Oh Jesus! And, and so it. you've got like migraines on set the entire time. And... More than that, you're running around a carnival and you can't see yeah. where your feet are going. You're in a boat. <laughs> you shouldn't be in a boat if you can't see. I'm pretty sure that's just a rule of boats. So the two guys that are with her have their hands all over her the yeah. whole time. It's not supposed to be for promiscuity reasons. It's because they're helping her not fall down. <laughs> Like, well, it totally just reads like she's yeah. got she's on a du- a date with two people at once and like and flirting with a third. They're so handy in public and yeah, <laughs> that's so great. No, it's, they're there to make sure she doesn't trip and drown. Oh boy. Yeah, uh, like there's some shots when she, they're getting on the bus at the beginning. You can see her yeah. stumble and one of them like 
kind of yes. holds her and yeah. rolls her up. Oh, so, I th- see. To me, that was like they went pre-drinking. Mm, like nope. they're oh, okay. I can see anything. Well, it works great. It does. Sorry, Casey. It does come across excellent. Getting on and off the boat, she's they're really like hands they all have over to her. Help her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> getting on and off the merry-go-round, she trips getting on the merry-go-round. Yeah. <laughs> ah, Jesus. So funny. That's uh, me without my glasses. So yeah. Fair. Well, to that point, Robert Walker did wear crazy thick glasses. Oh, no. Um, and you can only do so much with contacts at the time. So most yeah. of this movie, he can't see anything. What? The- yeah. what? <laughs> Hitchcock doesn't give a fuck about anyone's bodily yeah. integrity on his sets, does he? Oh, my God. So the scenes where okay. it's Robert Walker and Miriam together, there's only like a couple of them. They're just like, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We're just, we're just kind of like looking around. Like Maybe that's why they kind of, you can't tell what type of look they're yeah. giving each other. <laughs> like, do they know it's them? <laughs> Are you Robert? I can't. <laughs> now look at the Miriam shape and yeah. raise your eyebrows. Am I doing it now? No, Is no. This good. How far away are you? You're looking at an umbrella again. Stop it, Robert Walker. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, boy. so it's this weird thing of like they shouldn't. All the scenes where they're silently like looking at it, none of that should work, but it works no, great. That works really good. It. That's so funny. <laughs> uh, and the other thing I wanted to to mention with this, I talked about all the music stuff that I think is cool already. Yeah. Um, so that's all I got on the music front. Sorry to anybody that wants to hear more. <laughs> um, but that I just Hitchcock described working on this. He said it was his first real movie he made. Which is he made Rebecca before the like yeah. decade before this? He made a lot of movies before this. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah some of them suck, but like, <laughs> but some of them fucking many, cool. many, yeah. many movies. Like early on, like the lady vanishes. Oh, early so UK cool! One is yeah, so cool. So I love great. that one. Uh, but like, when people asked him about it, he's like, I don't know. It just feels like my first movie. Um, All right. And I was like, just sitting, thinking long and hard about it, and I wanted to like get your what how that strikes you that looks like it doesn't strike you correctly like for me <laughs> i read that nice thought like, about it and i like the fact that it's the first time we have a like it's not the first hitchcock psychopath that we've got but like no. it's the first really we are focusing the hell on him and he's not just a plot twist there's like actual thought gone into his character maybe you can make that thing maybe? you got you got like i yeah, I I can't. Like I feel it. like Rebecca really invalidates mo- like the the well, uh, psychopath well, isn't exact. Okay, the Hitchcock thing of again, it could happen to anyone. Innocent man stuff, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. Yes. That in that sense, yes, maybe Bruno is the first real Hitchcock psychopath. Yeah. I'm avoiding saying psycho. <laughs> but like, yeah, where you're like, this, it just, it was Guy because Bruno happened to bump into him on the train. Like that yeah. real element of like, you don't have a way to protect from this. Yeah. If you don't move into the castle with your new husband's <laughs> dead ex-wife and the housekeeper who's obsessed with her. Like, you could at least extricate yourself from that situation. Yeah. Maybe you made choices to get yourself there. This not so much. This happens to Guy. Yeah. The whole thing happens to him. And he, he has, has very little agency. Yeah. Over, and it's that thing of like, which I think this is, yeah, you're helping crystallize it for me. <laughs> where every time he's presented with not an easy out, but like, uh, I'm taking responsibility to get out out. Yeah. He doesn't take it. So it's this combination of plot that's happening to him and he's not helping himself. And it yeah. just like spirals out of control. That feels very Hitchcock. It's very like the the normal. It, it, yeah, all of his decisions are are understandable in that way. Of like he's about to go to the police to be like this fucking weirdo showed up at my house and said he murdered my wife. Can you do something about this? But 
Bruno's like, do you think they'll believe that for a second? Yeah. That I, a complete stranger, murdered your wife without you being involved? And then I knew where you lived? Do you think they're going to buy that? And yeah. like, obviously, no. Now you can't go to the police. Like, he's, guys, making very Human, everyman decisions. Yeah. <sighs> you know? Yeah. yeah. If you behave like a normal person, <laughs> this complete unhinged lunatic could take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So that that's like the something... Hitchcock terror. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that's something that I know I will next time we watch it because we will watch it again and again and again. Yeah, again um, and again. Will be that thing of like, what did he mean? Yeah. <laughs> what the? Hey, buddy, <laughs> what the fuck did you mean? Because he's already done like suspicion and like a yeah. bunch of suspense movies already. Yeah. So yeah, it's just interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Very very funny. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So that's that's all I had to say on Strangers on the Train. I love this movie so much. It's so great. So great. It's so fun to watch, and it's also very well crafted. Mm. And it's surprising. Like when it, it's one of those movies. Whenever we would return to it, it's always better than I remember. Yeah, which it, I go into it thinking like it can't be as good as I think it's gonna be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Psych. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to hear your final thoughts on Strangers on a Train. Strangers on a Train. I, d- I don't know anything about filmmaking, really, but it really does think like it, it, it feels like any element that you care to examine has been crafted to such a degree that maybe that's what he meant about this is like he was able mm. to realize every single detail that he imagined in his head because yeah, that maybe. is how he made his movies. I, I could see that. I don't know much about the production of, of earlier movies, but Well, yeah. I'm just taking in like that UK movies would have yeah. a tiny budget compared to sure hollywood maybe yeah. like that's enough to do it yeah maybe yeah. yeah he had the resources to like bring this to life and i just the the use of like shadow mm. like lighting in this is is just so perfectly pristinely hitchcock where mm. like guy goes to the house the antony house at night mm-hmm. you can tell something is wrong in that house because of the way the shadows fall like as guy turns around after closing the front door you can see into the house and like the drawing room and the the rooms beyond and just like the shadows are so deep and dark and and like you've been there during the day so you know it's not a creepy house it's not weird but like you can tell and just the yeah the way people move in and out of shadow and and the very natural progression of this plot like you said Mm. it's it seems almost like a montage where Bruno is ramping up his his approach. <laughs> it seems like that, but it is it it passes by so quickly because yeah. you're like, man, this is really like it's very logical. It 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 all escalates at the pace that you'd expect it to. Yes. Yeah. For being someone whose brain is completely shattered into a million shiny little pieces, Bruno doesn't do anything you wouldn't expect him to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I love it so much. It's such a, like, you don't know anyone like this, but you do know exactly what he's about. Yeah. You know? Well, I, you don't know anybody like this. I, God, maybe I do. You never know. <laughs> it's oh, never shit. come up. Oh, oh, fuck. I also just love, I love the way he gets Bruno to stand and to, like, mm. he's just, his angles don't make sense and, like, when he's standing on the Capitol steps and like behind, yeah, that slightly wide. behind the gate, yeah, his legs don't look like they bend in the right place, yeah. and his outline is very upsetting. And I don't know Robert Walker from a lot of other stuff, and he unfortunately passed away like a couple months after this movie. Came oh, out. I didn't know. That. Um, but he was always a good guy in everything, yeah. except for like maybe a movie or two before this, he was a bad guy in a western. Sure. So this is like the only time he's playing a really 
like a villain, villain. Yeah, which yeah. is just like oh apparently we should have been doing that with yeah. him the whole time <laughs> yeah i love it i i think it's such a like such a perfect confluence of everything you could use to make a film mm-hmm. like all the art is there all the cinematography is just like it's all in service of the story yeah. you know i love it yeah it's great so not that I could name any of those things, but I know them when I see them. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> it's it's funny. It is like when you talk about craft and all that kind of thing. Like we're people who don't know film technical know. specifics, but like that's this is what I picture, and I don't know yes. why. I but know it just works. You just, just know it works. Movie magic. <laughs> yeah. How about you? The thing that like sticks with me forever in here, and the thing that sets it apart from other Hitchcock movies is just Bruno. I love the character of Bruno. Mm, so so good. good. So well written. He is probably my favorite of Mr. Hitchcock's uh, psychopaths. Mm. The main reason being, like, every other... I feel like, and of course I'm going to be wrong on this, but every other psychopath of his that I can imagine, it's used as a reveal or a twist or... Yes. It's something that's, like, late-breaking or something like sure. that. Whereas this feels like... I just love the way that you start out knowing this guy is wrong. Yeah, no one should be like this. And you're watching him develop through it, whereas a lot of the Hitchcock things are just like, he was like this when you found him, and this is just, (laughs) you're coming into the story and it's happening to you. This is... Oh, that's true. The protagonist and antagonist developing at the same time. Yeah, well, Bruno's never, clearly never gotten a chance to do this before. This is his final thing he wants to experience, right? Yeah. And it's, oh, this is the pinnacle of, like, his crazy broken brain. Yeah, like the the emergence of the psychopath, if I can sound very hoity-toity about it. Please do. That's what it feels like to me, and I, it's so great. Like, yeah, every, he's getting permission to be a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, like he feels like he's been co-signed by his new best friend. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that's it never happened. He never said yes to that, but that's all Bruno needed. Yeah, yeah. like that is so, it's so interesting to me. I love it so much. And you add into that all the like the little sexual tension flourishes, yeah. and the set pieces are so great, and all the imagery. Ah, ah. But Bruno is the thing that ties it all together and makes it memorable for me. Sure, Because yeah. without him grounding all of that creepy imagery it is just like oh this is a cheap way to heighten the eeriness of this guy's annoying whereas you go in knowing like this guy is eerie and now he's in an eerie space double eerie shit man (laughs) call this place lake eerie because it's fucking boo (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no you're right he makes everything creepier around him yeah like just such good energy a regular setting becomes creepy with him in it and you take a creepy setting and yeah yeah oh yeah it's good the creepiest setting a tennis match (laughs) the creepiest spot again just very pedestrian place to be and it Mm. makes it like oh no there's (laughs) something underneath (laughs) i forgot to say the uh, the soundtrack, mm, yes, which is the one thing I can speak to with some degree of expertise. It contains a lot of, especially as Bruno's theme is like developing and ramping up. It, it's got a lot of elements of La Valse in it, which oh. is this like it starts out very, oh, like laconic and just like very, you know, placid, and and eventually it's meant to be like a, a representation of a Viennese ball but that gets so out of control by the end yeah. and you end up with this literal merry-go-round like spinning out of its out of control and like murdering people and yeah. I think that's such a great choice for like it just it gets starts normal gets absolutely out of control yes I had it's not picked cool. up on that I don't know the level I did this time yeah <laughs> go great. check out Laval's do it's good 
if you like merry-go-rounds exploding, <laughs> it's the closest to a musical depiction of that. That's Actually, <laughs> yes. Honestly, if you think that would sound cool, you're going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Well, now it is time for us to uh, take what we just said and pair another movie with it if we feel like it, or just recommend something if we want to do the low-stakes version. Um, So, yeah, let's program a devil bill. Hell yeah. So take us away, please, Aaron. Here I go. Uh, I'm going to go with the, you know, doubling theme and Mm -hmm. the doppelganger type thing where two people who don't seem like they have a lot in common, suddenly they're, like, really bound together and... You can't quite crack what what one of them is about. Like, there's no real reasoning, with, and they're maybe smarter than you think they are, mm. and all of this. And also, it's just this, like, not thematically, but in the actual making of the movie, it's such, like, perfect craft and, like, mm. really held up as an example of, like, amazing filmmaking. So I'm going to pair this with Ingrid Bergman's Persona from oh. 1966. Oh, God, okay. Which is a full 15 years after... Strangers on a Train. Oh, weird, yeah. Which doesn't seem like doesn't it should be, but right. there, there you go. Um, yeah, so it's, it's you're interacting with this. Uh, Persona is is about, ostensibly, a an actress who, in the middle of a performance, decides to stop speaking. And it's not really clear why. She doesn't really explain herself. Um, she's, you know, for obvious reasons, she, she is no longer speaking. <laughs> and so she's sent to sort of convalesce by the seaside, like in a, in a nice cottage, and a nurse is sent to take care of her. The nurse is very chatty. She's got this, you know, she, but she ends up like kind of getting sucked into the actress's personality and like starts mirroring elements mm. of her and like starts telling her horrible secrets about herself and, and things like that. And, and eventually kind of grows resentful of it and tries to hurt the the actress and this is oh who is it's bb anderson and liv ullman um are arguably like you could really make the argument they're the only two people in the movie so yeah there's that that boy at the beginning that's about it yeah (laughs) yes um yeah and just like interacting with someone who kind of makes your your mask fall away Mm. and i like this even more for myself now that now that you've told me like the book of strangers on a train is much more about like Corrupting there's yeah, yeah if you're put under enough pressure you will crack and do horrible things <laughs> and the you know there's a part in persona is much more <laughs> meta textual like it speaks to actual filmmaking more where there's this yeah. opening scene where it it's someone watching a movie a, a short film that includes images from the movie and things like that and there's a part in the movie, the nurse grows so like resentful and annoyed and is like, something has to change, <laughs> that she puts broken glass down on the path. Oh, yeah. And the, where she knows the actress is going to walk outside in the morning. And she does. And the film, once she walks over that broken glass, like sputters to a, it's It's like the film flamed out. Mm. And it's like it was so, you know, the the that act of kind of harming the person that she's supposed to protect or is supposed to be like relating to breaks the movie basically. (laughs) And just, you know, it's, so it's much more like a text on the art of filmmaking than strangers on a train. As you were leading up to it, I was going to be like, so like relativity wise is, which is your double bill, the arty (laughs) one or the trashy one. And I think I can tell. I think you know which one. (laughs) Strangers on a train is so pulpy and it's meant to get your heart pounding and it's meant to, you know, um, 
But I am going to, so I'm going to program it the other way around. I think if you start with Strangers on a Train, you see this very, like, you know, not subtext. Mm. These are these two are in conflict, yep. Guy and Bruno. But here are the ways in which they're similar. And here mm. are the, the, like, here's the effect that Bruno has on Guy and that kind of stuff where he starts to turn into someone who has to scheme and has to do these, <laughs> these things to yeah, other people. He pulls the Bruno out of him. To yes, the, yeah. exactly. And then you move to Persona. It's hard to follow a, a carnival set piece where a merry-go-round flames out and crushes a man. But if you're going to do it, Persona is the one, like a Bergman would do it, where you move into this very kind of liminal space of like, how are these two interacting? And like, what's it like to talk to someone where eventually you're just talking to yourself? That yeah. person has become you and you've become them by the act of them becoming you. Like, it's all just very wrapped up in in personality and persona is the word for mask which Ooh. i really like and bruno has none and i think the guy starts mirroring that eventually i in a lot of the behind the scenes stuff there's a lot of talk about like there are moments throughout the movie where farley granger's mask has to start to come off mm. and that's yeah there you yep. go. that's the good yep. stuff yeah bruno has none he's like yeah come with Join me, me. do this <laughs> and i like that uh liv Ullman's character like she stops performing mm. her she's like no more mask i'm not putting this on for for anyone yeah. we're done and then so dealing with someone who has no mask what is that like what does it do to you mm-hmm. that's that's my double mill so uh, I get. I feel like this phrase has really been tarnished, but I'm gonna call the double bill mask off. <laughs> yeah. Aaron, no. Aaron, no. <laughs> this is not a racist podcast. I promise. <laughs> Ooh, no. I'm gonna call it masquerade. Ah, there you go. But you're gonna spell it M-A-S-K hyphen arade. <laughs> that sounds like a sports drink. Yes. So yes, and I expect uh, advertising dollars any minute now. <laughs> So that's mine. How about you? Well, me, I'm going to go the opposite tack where, to me, Strangers on a Train is the the artful version of what I'm going to talk about, where it's it's the the most crafted and most, like, most having something to say on the topic of these two. Sure, Uh, okay. It's about something? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm going to pair this uh, with another movie where it's about an interplay of, like, guilt between two people that... Like, one person is clearly in the wrong, and the other person kind of, like, dips his toe in accidentally. And okay. also has some of my favorite psychopath imagery. I'm mostly just thinking of one scene that you will know exactly what I mean when I say it. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the Canadian movie from 1978, The Silent Partner, starring oh, Elliot shit! Gould and Christopher Plummer. Oh, goddamn, yes. Christopher yep. Plummer is such a good psychopath. He is bananas in this. If you did not think he was a good actor... Before it's uh, get yourself right. Yeah, and check it, out this movie. It's a thriller that's like filmed and for once in our goddamn lives actually takes place in Toronto. Um, <laughs> the whole the whole plot is that a brand Center. new mall has been built <laughs> no, with all these like new security features. Yeah, yeah, in the it, bank, it, yeah. about the the bank in the Eaton Center in downtown Toronto. Yeah, but uh, a few days before Christmas, so this is a Christmas movie too. Get it ready for <laughs> we Christmas do watch talking. it at Christmas, and Ooh. it is. Not the right mood at all, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a bored bank teller uh, working at a bank branch um, located in a shopping mall that is germane to the plot. Yes. Uh, accidentally learns that the place is about to be robbed by a guy in a Santa suit, and he kind of gets into cahoots with the robber and... While never speaking to the robber, yeah. it's very like, okay, this guy's gonna rob the bank anyway... How can I make it look Work like that me. guy? Yeah, how can I make this my thing? 
Uh, but we get into like Christopher Plummer finds out mm-hmm. and tracks down our board bank teller who's uh, Elliot Gould, and we get a lot of like cat and mousey kind of like, well, I might be guilty, but aren't you guilty too? And if one of us goes down, the other one is going down too. Yes. How do we resolve this? Yeah, kind of thing. And Elliot Gould is like, he starts out as like the guy who's like a little late for work and he's doing his best and that that kind of and just becomes this underworldly like well yeah why can't i do a little bit of wait a minute psychopathy things and then going like ooh no icky don't ooh, want it actually ooh never mind but the, yeah. the there's this one image that i will never forget Ugh. that is well, how does it even lead into it the phone is Elliot Gould's phone is ringing or something and he knows he it's realizes, the psycho so yeah Christopher Plummer has found out where he lives yeah and there's a shot of like Christopher Plummer says to Elliot Gould, I'm like, I'm coming. Yeah. And I'm Elliot Gould's know that like, there's a, he's got a couple seconds and he hears the footsteps approaching the door. So like, oh shit, go lock the door. Locks or the doors. Whatever. And the way you that expect... the shot is framed, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he's gonna like kick the door in, or there's like a little window up top and like maybe yeah. he like punches through that. You're or... looking at eye at like eyeline height yeah. where a man would walk through a door. But then a third of the way down the mail slot opens and Christopher Flummer's eyes are just there. Right. <laughs> There. So, it is the creep. I yelled out loud yeah. when that happened. I screamed. <laughs> it is so upsetting it's to see. It's so upsetting. Oh my god. Uh, I yep. love it. The the psycho where you did not think there was going to be one. Yeah. <laughs> it's so and like it's so good. It's not that Christopher Plummer is always a good guy in his movies, but I feel like on average he's coming through as you have a, like a good like oh Christopher Plummer is the right upstanding guy or whatever. Yes, he's very, you know, tall and blue eyes and yeah. all of this, but oh baby. So to not have in him have a, yeah, a heel turn like this is great. It's yeah, he's so full psychopath in this yeah. one for sure. And oh, like so from the get-go, you are given no opportunity to think he might be good. No, uh, no, yeah. it's very obvious. So he's in a Santa costume robbing a bank and it's great. <laughs> so if that's up your alley, I mean like there's a little something for everyone here. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a good movie. Oh, that's pulpy as hell. That's yeah. way pulpier than Shooters oh, yeah. on a Train. So yeah. I'm All calling right. my double bill loud and proud. <laughs> Cause we're being psychopaths out loud. Out loud. <laughs> I love that. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, Canadiana. Canadiana. I uh, put it on there not even remembering it was a Canadian movie somehow. Even though, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Spent a lot of my life in the mall where this takes place, so. (laughs) I really feel like that movie is kind of the reason I forget that Elliot Gould is not Canadian. Yeah. I always think he is, and then I'm like, yeah, no, no. He just was, he enjoyed the company of Canadians. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't? a friend of Canada, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) Kind of nice. <laughs> kind of, yeah. A little nice. He's got curly hair. <laughs> he's kind of dopey. Like, he's just <laughs> yeah. a dope. And you're like, yeah, that's Somebody maybe, told you that he people. was an East Coaster, you'd be like, ah, oh, that makes mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. For oh, sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you friggin' betcha. Oh, yeah. Eventually, my, like, trying not to sound Maritimer voice is going to go away a little bit more and yeah. more on the podcast. I get to go doing this voice all the time, and it'll be oh, great. Oh, my God. I will not be able to understand you. I, I, I love our East Coast brethren, but they are different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, take a train trip. Why not? <laughs> be, why don't you? Go meet a stranger on a train. Yeah. Uh, and join us next week for some more, some more of this garbage stuff. Uh, find us on Twitter and Instagram if you want to talk about double bases on trains or... <laughs> Uh, Laval's. Really. 
<laughs> yeah, go listen to La Valse. It's by Maurice Ravel. Yeah, was it like 10 minutes long or something like that? Easy listen? Maybe not even. Yeah. yeah. Depending on how <laughs> how rude the conductor is and yeah. how much he hates the orchestra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter if they want at Maclebase. M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. And likewise, you can find me at Dick R. Navis. D-I-C-K-R Navis. And you can find the pod at Gartbage Pod. G-A-R-T-B-A-G-E pod. Thank you for spelling it. I kind of glossed over that before. We no put worries. the art in garbage. It's I put the art in garbage, but it's garbage. <laughs> but it's spelled so we wrong. Put the art you have in to spell it, it wrong. You have to, to do spell it. <laughs> Which I think is a bit of a commentary on how we. Nope. Bye. Uh, <laughs> this is the last episode, everyone. <laughs> uh, not really, because we hope that you'll join us next time for another pile of garbage.